hands of time or hit rewind Power's in the hands, it's in the mind Can turn the hands of time or hit rewind If you need it to the land, you rasa If you grew up in the valley, you rasa Light skin, dark skin, you rasa All my hit, they tune in to rasa Stand, if you need it to the land, you rasa If you grew up in the valley, you rasa Light skin, dark skin, you rasa All my hit, they tune in to rasa Stand, podcast few seconds <clears throat> all right welcome to another episode of rasastan podcast i am your guest i'm sorry i'm your i'm your host flo uh we have a very very special guest today uh anthony cavasa is a los angeles california native and is a correspondent for the American, which targets its Hispanic and Latino audience to cover breaking news around the world. Uh, this man knows a lot of stuff. Uh, so I'm very, very honored to have him on the podcast. Uh, you know, the way we connected was through one or through a mutual friend. So um, the floor is yours, man. I mean, uh, what do you want to let him know? Yeah, man. Thank you, Flo, for having me here. And, uh, you know, to anyone tuning in, um, I know that you were telling me that your audience is, is you know, uh, pretty diverse in, in what their thoughts are, their, 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 what their policy line of thinking is, what their politics are. Uh, but just a little bit about myself. Again, my name is Anthony Cabasa. I am the son of an immigrant. Uh, my mom is from Ensenada, Mexico, and then my dad is from Puerto Rico. Uh, I was born and raised in Los Angeles, California. I'm actually the first American born on my mother's side. On my dad's side, I'm fourth generation. Um, and then I'm also a third generation veteran. Uh, I served in the United States Coast Guard. Uh, for 11 years, and then I came back to California in 2017. Um, I actually met your friend, Jose Fregoso, uh, the one that actually connected us in nursing school, because when I left the military, I kind of wanted to do something and just continue serving my community. And so I went to nursing, uh, and then I got involved in politics because uh, I, I think that maybe it's safe to say Latinos don't really, maybe we're not as politically involved. I know that there's a lot of activism involved, but maybe Sometimes it's not directly correlated to, to politics, you know, or political parties. Uh, it's just we just like to stand up for what we believe in. And so I guess when I came back to California, you know, I had three kids, my wife. Uh, we started paying attention to the politics around us and the, the record homelessness, the policies that were allowing kind of like uh, drug drugs into the streets and, and, you know, people not getting arrested and stuff. And so I started under kind of question my like, why is this happening? Why I don't remember it being like this. I don't remember it being this bad. And so uh, even 2016, didn't care to vote at all, never voted in my life. And it wasn't really until 2018 that I, that I first voted, that I first started paying attention to policies, looking up at people, um, policies, and, and especially here in Los Angeles, what can we do to just make uh, everything better for us? You know, um, especially as a family man, as a father, as a Christian, what can I do that's going to better uh, facilitate uh, my livelihood and, and the livelihood of my wife and my children moving forward? And so I was just like, it, it, it's, I was almost like ashamed at how little I knew about politics. And when I started researching and I started delving into politics, I started to 
better understand who I aligned myself with, what kind of policies I wanted, what kind of things that I stood for too. You know what I mean? What was I willing to compromise? Who was I willing to vote for? And I think at first, like the Libertarian Party kind of really drew my attention because of its let live and let live policies. It, it's just kind of let me live my life, you live your life. Um, and, uh, you know, I started listening to like Ben Shapiro, uh, who's a pretty outspoken libertarian conservative. And I think that he had, he made like a lot of valid points. I think for my first couple of years, like 2017, going into the 2018 election, I spent those two years really just paying attention to all sides. And even today, I pay attention to all sides because I think that there's a little bit of every political demographic, uh, that I agree with a lot, you know? Um, I can appreciate like the Bernie Sanders of the world that are out there against, you know, corporatism. And that's kind of what's aligned my populist uh, set of beliefs in politics is that, um, you know, we cannot allow to basically, you know, we, we claim to be a capitalist country, but we're more like a corporatist, cor corporatist country where corporations are basically unregulated. And, you know, through this pandemic that we just went through, um, we're, we're we basically had like the massive transfer of wealth from like the the, the small and middle class to the, the wealthiest elite. And I think that, you know, I can look at people's talking points and be like, this guy's making sense. This woman is making sense. This group of people are advocating for something that I believe in. And so, you know, depending on what the policies are and if I agree with them or not, I'm willing to cast my vote in that direction. I voted for plenty of, of Democrats, Republicans, uh, independents, libertarians, um, just depending, of course, because in California, too, um, obviously, we have the two party system, but there are a lot of good people that are serving in different branches of government that I've casted my vote for that, that maybe, hey, I probably wouldn't agree with this political party. Uh, I don't agree with the overall political party, but I do agree with this person and their policies. And that's why I'm casting my vote. And, you know, here, here we are today, man, 20, 2021. Um, it's been a couple rough years, um, you know, for especially our community here in Los Angeles. You know, I mean, now I've kind of moved away from uh, being like a political activist, 2017, 2018. I, I took those years to kind of align myself where I wanted to be. 2018, 2019, 2020, I kind of took those years to kind of better inform our community in English and in Spanish. I, I, I brought up a Spanish podcast uh, called Informante con Anthony. Um, basically just kind of trying to inform people. Cause I think that that's kind of like what my biggest, what my biggest, um, I guess my fight is, is that how uneducated and un uninformed our community is, especially in Los Angeles, uh, to know that people just don't know the facts, the, the fact that people don't know how to file proper paperwork, the, the, the fact that people don't know how to cast a vote where to register to vote how can you vote by mail how can you vote in person um and then just kind of getting away from these stereotypes that we have to vote one way or another um i i, yes. I think that you know taking my years to really just kind of hone in on that and reminding people you know where we come from who we are where our values and our morals stand and to also not forget that minority of people you know whether it's um you know the indigenous people, the more indigenous Hispanics, the more, you know, the Afro-Latinos, the indigenous Latinos, you know, the people that don't even like the term Latino, you know, <laughs> yeah. including those people uh, that we have yeah. to like bring them all in and kind of also advocate for them, you know, so. Yeah. 
Well, thank you for sharing that, you know, because it allows you to, to uh, really expand on your beliefs and, and your values. And like I said, I mean, a lot of my listeners, you know, are more left-leaning or liberal. So when you hear the term conservative or even libertarian, for that matter, you know, they're like, oh, like, you know, like how, how can you, how can you align with that? You know, because I've only had one conservative on here before you, uh, and he made some really good points about, about culture, right? Because uh, one of the questions was, you know, why is Latin America the way it is, right? Why do we have all these problems in Latin America? And he talked about how uh, during the colonial period, how the Spanish culture, you know, from Spain was quote unquote, the lower stock of European cultures that came to colonize us. So like, we're still dealing with the effects of them. You know, it's not so much, because people argue that the US is responsible for the problems in, in Latin America, which, you know, you could debate that, but he's like, it's really more about, about what the Spanish did to Latin America and not really, you know, they had more like feudalism instead of capitalism. And here in the, in the US, you had entrepreneurs, right? And, and that wasn't the case for a lot of us, you know, and a lot of us come from, like you said, immigrant backgrounds or just, you know, uh, lower economic backgrounds. And that's why my parents come here to have a better life, to take advantage right. of that. And every time that, I, that I've debated with a socialist or a communist, you know, I'm like, it would be a slap to, the, to, to my father's face to be like, hey, you know, I'm going to go and be a socialist or a communist and, and screw your work. You know, everything you worked for, I mean, you know, uh, so I've had that because I used to be a socialist. I used to be more left-leaning myself, you know, back in the day. Uh, but becoming a father was one of the, one of the ways that I felt like, you know what, I, I need to put away childish things and, and uh, go and start making money for my kid. Because, I mean, if I don't, then, you know, who else? I'm not going to depend on the government to do that. I don't want to. And another thing, too, that I've always, you know, uh, pushed against or uh, told, you know, Chicanos or, you know, Latinos, whatever you want to call them, uh, how can you be so, you know, anti-system, but yet want socialism when it's, it depends on the government. So it doesn't make any sense to be pushing against that. You know what I mean? So that's another reason why I've, I've been pushing away from those ideologies. Uh, but uh, like I said, I've been listening to you for a long time since you started pretty much, you know, I've seen your whole evolution, right? I've been following you. So I've done my research on you. I wouldn't have you on here if I didn't think you were an individual mm -hmm. or talking to, you know, so yeah. uh but yeah, man. So you mentioned that you you uh, used to be in the National Guard. So how how was that? I mean, because that that is also some people will say, well, why was he even in there? You know, why would he even want to? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, no, yeah. One of the things. Um, so it was in the National Guard. It was a U.S. Coast Guard. Um, but basically, what uh, you know, being third generation. Uh, veteran myself, you know, I looked up to my grandfather who was Puerto Rican, my dad who was Puerto Rican, um, and they both served in the U.S. Army. And so I kind of just thought to myself, I, you know, my whole motive for joining the military, it wasn't so much like, uh, at least at the beginning, like a patriotic duty. It was just an option for myself where, you know, I came from a very poor family. Um, I'm, you know, my dad and my, my mom were separated when I was three years old. Uh, I had the single mother, you know, immigrant story where we lived like in an apartment complex and we just didn't have a lot. I, I had to start working when I was 15, 16 years old to kind of help provide. You know, my mom said, like, I don't need your help with bills, but if you can just help providing for yourself, that would be like a big burden off of me. And so when I was 18, 
when I decided to join and enlist, it wasn't so much because I was like, you know, uh, um, of course, I, I do love my country and I love the opportunities that we have here, especially as Latinos, as Hispanics. Um, but it wasn't like a super patriotic, like I, I love and I'm willing to die in any war for my country. Not necessarily. Um, 9-11 had obviously just happened. So there was like that sense of feeling that, oh man, like we were just attacked and, and there's people that yeah. hate this country and they want to destroy us, you know? So there was that in the back of the mind, but um, I didn't really plan on ever really enlisting, you know, like my dad and my, my grandfather never really had an, a military influence over me or just that influence over me to be like, oh, you should serve, you know, like you should serve your country like I did and my, and my grandfather did. Um, but I decided to enlist because at the time I, my, my wife, she was my girlfriend at the time we were high school sweethearts and she wanted to leave her house and I was 18 and I really couldn't provide. And so I was just like, I don't know how I'm going to be able to provide for my girlfriend at 18 years old, you know? Um, but she wants to move out of her house. She's not happy where she's at at the time. Uh, you know, it, it is what it is, but I, I needed to find a way to kind of provide for her. And so that's when I was like, maybe I should join the military. I know that they offer, I mean, it's pretty funny because we talk about like socialism and stuff. The military yeah. is almost like the biggest socialist program there is in the entire country. After mm. 20 years, you're guaranteed a pension. You can medically retire if anything were to ever happen to you. They guarantee you housing. They give you money for clothing. They give you money for food. They reimburse you anytime. You know, like the government basically provides. Anywhere you go, they provide a house for you. So that's why, you know, if you move every two years, every three years, every four years, they have a government owned house for you. So to me, it's really funny because, you know, my father, he's like this big Republican and he always talks about socialism. And I'm like, aren't you like an army veteran? Like, didn't they provide every single thing? Like, <laughs> like even like healthcare benefits were never an issue. Anything that was ever wrong with you, whether it's dental, vision, I mean, they even have like cosmetic surgery that's elective that you can apply for and the government will pay it for you. So it's like, you're the most well taken care of people, you know? And so I was just like, maybe I should join the military, even if I just do four years. And then they also give another kind of socialist in theory kind of policy is uh, money for school. So I was like, I, I can do four years. And then I can get money for school because obviously I don't have any money for school and I don't really want to be indebted to the government or to the banks because I hate the banks. Everyone hates the banks. Um, and so I was just so I ended up enlisting and I ended up doing way more than I expected. But after 11 years, despite the financial security, despite that pension that you can retire early at 38, because when I enlisted, I was 18. So I could have retired at 38 and lived the rest of my life on a pension. It's not a lot of money that you get, but it is enough to kind of be like a safety net um, for the rest of your life. Uh, but I just yes. wasn't happy, man. I, I really wasn't happy. The same system that guarantees us this security. And this is what I, again, when I left, I started looking at different politics because I just came from this big authoritative socialist program, the U S military Ind industrial complex, where basically you are well taken care of. Your wife and your children are well taken care of by the government. No matter what happens to you, you are taken care of by the government. And I wasn't happy. You would think who in the right mind would ever leave such a safety net. <laughs> but the problem is I wasn't happy because of the culture that it created. It attracted a lot of lazy people. 
a lot of inept people, a lot of unqualified people. And the thing is, the way you rank up through the military is time in service. Like you can literally join year one and you will know your entire 20 year span period in the military by looking at a chart. You know what year you qualify to rank up, how much you're going to get paid, how much you qualify for this. And it just goes down. You can literally year one, you already know how much you're going to look at and make at, at year 20. So, I mean, it's the most secure thing ever. You just got to do your time. And the problem is that some people, you know, they're not after rank per se. They're not just trying to climb the ladder. Some people like, Hey, you know what? I'm happy where I'm at. Why would I want to rank up, take on more responsibility uh, when I can just do this for a living? So it also kind of attracted those people that are just complacent, you know, like the people that are just like, eh, I just want to do the bare minimum without having to really put in the work. And so again, this system, I was starting to notice that I had a lot of supervisors that were not qualified. They qualified by meeting the minimum requirements, but they weren't qualified people. They didn't show compassion. They didn't have true leadership. Uh, they didn't have a lot of life experience. Some people were very privileged growing up. So they have a whole different mentality. And so it was just, it was an interesting, interesting kind of like last few years for me because I was like, am I secure? Yes. Will the government always take care of me? Yes. Am I happy though? Do I really have the liberty to become a supervisor tomorrow? No, I don't because the government says I cannot, you know, and do I really have the, like, am I working harder than everyone else? Yes, I am. Am I getting paid more than everyone else? No, I'm not. No. And so I'm just like, dude, I don't like this. Everyone here, you know, obviously you're going to have great people in the military. I, I love a lot of the people that yeah. I serve with, but there's no incentive to do better or to, to be the best because you still have to do your time. The government says, I'm sorry, despite you being showing leadership qualities, despite you being a leader, despite you working harder than everyone else, you just ranked up. So you got to wait three more years until you qualify to make the next rank for leadership. And I was like, I don't like this system. And I was sad. I was depressed that I was one of the hardest working people there because my mom, that's how my mom raised me. She was a single mom immigrant didn't speak any English when she came to this country she raised me to not take any handouts and she told me we don't need the government we work hard we work hard for what we do and and that's what that's just the way she raised me you know she never took a dime from the government yeah and so I wanted to do that I wanted to make my mother proud and 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 teach and you know teach my children the same values but also instill those values in myself in my work and so I ended up leaving and I was like I don't want to be somewhere where my hard work is not appreciated, where it, it basically goes unvalued, uh, where I have to wait years. It's basically like, let me do the bare minimum until six months before I qualify to get to rank up. And then I'll try hard then so I can show my supervisors I deserve to be promoted. And so, hmm. you know, obviously there's a lot of layers to that, but in a, in a generalized sense, that's basically how it works. And so I left. And dude, I am making, you know, I'm, I'm very blessed. I'm, I'm honored to God that, you know, coming back to California, one of the most expensive states in the entire nation, I'm able to, you know, I bought a five bedroom house here or we, we lived debt free and it's wow. because of hard work, man. It's, it's because of the hard work that my mom implied, applied into us saying, if you work hard, if you work hard. And so I entered this field where it was, it's, it doesn't have a safety net. I mean, if I, I, I can get fired tomorrow. And that's it for me. You know, there's no 401k, there's nothing, <laughs> yep, you know? Yep. So it's just doing what I do with news and media. Um, 
and, and, and they're just kind of relying on people to do their own, their, their own generosity to either donate or subscribe to be a Patreon or whatever. Yep. Um, that's, that's basically how I live, but you know, my trust is in God. I am, you know, I'm very, very religious. I, I, I trust in God always. And when I left, you know, there was a lot of insecurity. There was a lot of, you know, is this, is this really what I want to do? I just had a newborn. I have three children. Am I crazy right now by leaving just because I'm not happy? Shouldn't I just suck it up, you know, and just, and just deal with it, deal with the unhappiness, the anxiety, the depression, whatever it is um, that I was going through to the time. And should I just leave? And it was honestly the best decision of my life. And the thing is I went to supervisors that I thought as, as role models, people that had families and I asked mm-hmm. them, you know, like, would you ever, would you ever leave? Would you ever take that plunge? And they're like, I never, you got to do what's <laughs> best for your family. This is not, yep. but let me tell you something, man. I'm a better father. I'm a better husband because of the decision that I made. Not because my trust was in sound decisions of safety nets and pensions and guaranteed money from the government, but because I trust in God and I work harder than ever before. And now my monetary finances have tripled because I trusted in God and because now I'm getting paid to this capitalist system, right. <laughs> uh, for, for basically what I'm worth. Yeah. And the thing is, is it, it all depends on how hard I work. And that's what, and that's what I think is great about America. You were just talking about it, you know, where, where I don't want to have to rely on the government saying we allow you or we don't allow you. Uh, here's your paycheck for the month, but you cannot qualify for more until two years from now, three years from now. I want to be able to work hard and depending on how hard I work, that's how I am compensated. Because guess what? There's a lot of people that work harder than us. There's people, I'm not saying that I'm the hardest worker in the world. There's people literally through slave labor, slave labor in in communist countries, socialist countries that work way harder than I do. And they don't make nearly enough. You know, and I get to work from the comfort of my home. This is my home office. You know, I get to work here. And I'm so thankful to God that I live in a country that allows me and, and to, to basically live through this, to be born in arguably the greatest country on earth, to give me this opportunity that if I want to work harder, I can make more. If I want to stay where I am, I can do that. And if I want to make less, I have that option also, but I want it to be in my control, basically. Yeah, man, that was a lot to unpack. And, yeah. you know, I'm not at myself because like I said, I've been, I've been listening to, to your, your story, you know, from the very beginning, I've seen your interviews. I watch your lives. Um, so that's why I admire you because I mean, what you're doing, I mean, you, I remember when you were in nursing school, you know, you, you and Jose would talk about it all the time, you know, some of the, some of the struggles with that. And, and I remember how you told me how, well, not me, but you told the audience how, um, you know, it was a risk. Cause that is a promising career too. I mean, people could be like, you know what, I'm going to spend my time in nursing school and just, you know, make my money. And, but it seems like you're just a risk taker, you know? And, and, yeah. and so far these risks that you've been taking, I've been paying off. And Correct. a lot of it has to do with your faith. Like you said, I mean, I respect that, uh, you know, uh, but I think that is an issue that our community has too, is that we are afraid to take those risks, you know, especially those who are born here. And it's, Kind of ironic, like I said, because a lot of us come from immigrant parents who took the risk to come here, just like you. You know, my my parents came, you know, yeah, without speaking the language, they came in their teens, and that's a risk. I mean, like it's really funny because you know, even even uh, the way immigrant parents raise their kids too, sometimes it's like, oh no, don't do that, Mijo, because you know, like that's 
that's not good for you or, or that might not that might not work out you know yeah even though they again themselves took the risk to come over here and i think when we take advantage of those risks or or uh we take them you know if we ever take them it does pay off it doesn't always pay off obviously but if you do if you never attempt it you're never gonna know what could be at the other end right so yeah uh, yeah man i mean like that is really really interesting and and, and i respect that yeah, for sure, man. I, I And I think that you're absolutely right. I think it's so admirable from, you know, my mom to come into this country, not knowing the language, not knowing, you know, what was going to happen. Was it going to work out for her? Was it not going to work out for her? Would she have to go back after a couple of years? Um, and I'm sure there was a lot of cultural challenges as well, man, you know, coming into this country. I know that the country was not as tolerant as it is today. And that's why, again, I can yes. appreciate, I don't have to I don't have to align myself with, I don't have to believe everything, but I can appreciate all the little small civil movements that if done correctly, um, are able to make this world a better place, this nation, because it, look, the reality is America is not perfect, mm -hmm. it, it, but it's about fine tuning it, right? Fixing what's wrong with it. And I think that, you know, four or five years ago, I wasn't the same person that I am today. I was a lot more libertarian back then where I was like, sure, live and let live. Oh, you know, whatever. Let the corporations make their money. Who cares about billionaires and billionaires? You know, who cares if they, you know, it, so what if there's like a little bit of exploitation, whatever. But then fast yeah. forward to today and I, I align my corporational stuff more with like leftist policies. Uh, leftist yeah, speaking that. points like the Bernie Sanders of the world. I'm like, dude, yeah, maybe, maybe they should be doing this. Maybe they should not be exploiting the workers. Maybe there should be rules in place to protect the workers a lot more, you know? And so, and, the, and to me, like the biggest driving factor was that, and I see it a lot, even in the conservative circles, the Republican circles, the right wing is a lot of people became more populist. Uh, and what that means is they became more anti-establishment. Why? Because they got to see a lot of government tyranny. They got to see a lot of corporate tyranny from these corporations and government working together to restrict people, whether you're left or right, it doesn't matter. See, see to me, if you think that the government has your, the best interest for you, then I've, I've got a bridge to sell you somewhere. You know what I mean? Like it's, uh, yeah. It, it's like, I just, I don't trust big pharma. I don't trust corporations. Mm -hmm. I don't trust government. And that's why at the beginning, you know, I grew up listening to Immortal Technique. I don't know if you ever heard of Immortal Technique, um, but he was wow. big time, big time rapper. Yep. And he was yep. very anti-establishment, very, very anti-establishment. And I grew up on that. He would like, you know, say yep. F Fox News, F, you know, Bill O'Reilly, all these shills, these corporations. I'm like, bro, I'm with that, bro. Like, I'm brown. You know what I mean? Like, I'm I'm Chicano. I'm Mexican. I'm all about the raza. This is not. And then you start to realize that not regarding immortal technique, but then you start to realize that a lot of those talking points were handed down by corporate shills, by the same government entities that pretend they care about you but they don't care about you. They say they care about the community exactly. and then they close down your businesses and then they close down your schools and then they force you to do this. They force you to do that. Right. And I look at that now. And, you know, one of the biggest things that I'm a big advocate for 
is anti-human trafficking. And the reason I say this is because during my years in the Coast Guard, which I don't know if many of you know, so there's, I guess technically now there's six branches of the military with the U.S. Space Force. Uh, but back then when I was in, there was only five. And the U.S. Coast Guard was the only branch that is technically not Department of Defense. It is Department of Homeland Security. And so my job uh, at one point in, in my early career, I was a Spanish interpreter at the border of California uh, in San Diego, station in San Diego and, and Tijuana, Mexico. And so a lot of our job was anti-human trafficking and a lot of anti-drug trafficking into the United States. And so this is one of those jobs where you talked about it earlier, where Raza might look at me and be like, oh, dude, you're a traitor, bro. Like you're stopping the same people yeah. that are just <laughs> trying to get into this country. This is not. And what people, and this is what I learned throughout my 11 years working Department of Homeland Security, working our nation's borders, is what people don't see is the intel that we receive on how these people are trafficked and are then later sold into sex slavery and labor slavery into America. And this is where I say America is not a perfect country because a lot of these people are not brought here uh, to, to, to live the perfect life and be allowed a shot at the American dream. Illegal immigration, and, and this is something that you can look at Cesar Chavez, okay, who a lot of people idolize on the left, but they don't understand that he also was against illegal immigration. He actually had yeah. very harsh words. He used to call them wetbacks and wets. Yes. I will not say that. I will not say that these people, because it was almost like an animosity. And this is another thing that I can agree with a lot with left, language matters. And so I have a lot of people that do follow me that are leftists, you know, and they, and they also are like you where they say, I just want to follow this guy, even though he's conservative, I want to learn, I want to listen. And one of the things that I've changed is my language and how I address people. Sure, you could say illegal immigrants. I choose, I choose to say undocumented. Because it's, it's a sign of respect. It's a sign of just, you know what, man, just yes. if that's what it takes to reach the message so that you can listen, then that's what I will do. I won't do it with everything, but I will do it for this yeah. one, you know, special occasion. Cause it's, 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 yes. it's, it's not, it doesn't trouble me, man. You know, I'm, I'm willing to just change that terminology to, to reach a bigger audience. And so going back to what I'm talking about, illegal immigration is modern day slavery. What people believe is that illegal immigration are just desperate, desperate people trying to get a better life into the United States. In most cases, in overwhelming most cases, I would say that is true, but not in all cases. A lot of people don't understand that America has a large sex slavery and labor slavery here in the United States. You don't have to go that far. You're in California. I'm in California. Let's take a look at California. When you are an illegal immigrant, when you are undocumented, right? You don't have a right to vote. You don't have a, a right to fair wages. You don't get to ask for fair wages. You don't get to complain. You don't get to have guaranteed livable housing. You don't get to have a pension. You don't get to file your taxes. You don't get to have a driver's license. I have talked to farmers, farm workers that were once undocumented and are now documented, they got their green card, they applied, they got their visas that have now left working in the fields that said that when they first got here, 
they had to live in the fields because the ranch owner would say, would basically fear monger them saying, if you guys leave the ranch and you guys leave the trailers that I've provided for you, and the reason why they provide the trailers is to optimize profit. Why have them go yes. back to their homes and come back the next day when you say, hey, you know that half hour you would spend driving home? Why don't you just work more and make a little bit more money, right? They would work in these trailers. There would be one bathroom provided for 50 people or so. It's not a livable condition. There's no air conditioning inside these trailers. If the air AC went out, that's it. You don't get to complain. You don't get to complain about the living conditions on these, on these sites. And the thing is, regardless of what you want to believe, it's not the fault of Republicans because guess what? Republicans haven't had a majority in the, in, in the states, in the state of California for decades. It's a one party rule in California. Stop fooling yourself into thinking. And, and this is what kind of like angers me is that whenever anything wrong happens in California, Democrats just blame Republicans. Like, well, it's the fault of Republicans. <laughs> they won't pass gun measures. They won't pass tax laws. They won't pass this. No, you guys have the full power to be able to do that. And you choose not to. You'd rather blame outside sources and a completely political part, different political party to demonize and chastise them and make and indoctrinate people. It's indoctrination. Don't be fooled. Indoctrinate people into believing a false reality. Yes. Because just in LA alone, okay, I, I cover both sides. So when I do media, I cover the left, I cover the right. I've gone to a lot of Black Lives Matter events. I've actually gone to almost every Black Lives Matter event in the country. Yeah. I've been to Minneapolis. I've been to DC. I've been to Port, uh, Portland, Oregon and Los Angeles, San Francisco. You, you think of any place that they had a major Black Lives Matter rally, I've been there. And I like to listen to people. I like to hear their story. I want to know their why. And, and that's something that despite my political ideology, maybe I don't agree fully with Black Lives Matter. I might agree with some of the talking points. But when you take a look at it overall, um, you start realizing that they're just a fundraising machine for Democrats because that's the only people they donate to is to Democrats. And so to me, it's really interesting yes. because they've raised over a billion dollars, over a billion dollars, and they're buying mansions for themselves. They're buying cars for themselves. They're buying suits for themselves. They're buying clothes for themselves. They're basically living a lavish life. And then what are the Black Lives Matter chapter leaders saying? Well, when is that money going to be used for the community? Where is the school being built for black and brown people and indigenous people and people of color? There is none. All of it is going toward, which I think is hilarious, rich white people in politics. The same people that they are demonizing and basically saying that, you know, we have we are demonizing these people because of their colonization. This is not, but then they donate millions of dollars to Joe Biden or these political parties that they think are going to come and make a change. And, you know, we can maybe do a, a, a whole thing on it, but if you look at the welfare state and the people that it affects the most, the people that it hurts the most by complacency, by make building this system that says you can work minimum, don't apply for, a better paying job or else you're going to be out of the welfare system. And I personally know people, know people that say we lie about our income wow. taxes. We lie about our marriage status. 
We lie. We, we never ask for promotion because if we were to ask for a promotion, we would now lose our welfare benefits. And to me, again, this is not a system that allows us to thrive as a people. This is a system that's meant to keep us down and conformed to that lifestyle. They're telling you, you will not apply. You will not, or else we're taking this privilege, this, this that we're in, we've given you, we're going to take it away. And so you've created a system where people now have to compromise their values and their morality because a lot of people don't feel good lying about it, but they will lie to receive extra money. Why? Because California is one of the highest places for cost of living. So to them, it's justified. Like, well, I don't want to have to lie, but I justify it because it's so dang expensive to live here. And so, it, I mean, it's a whole thing, man. It's a whole process. And, and then just kind of quickly going back to, to the main issue of modern day slavery, that is why I am against illegal immigration, because I understand that today we have the most people being trafficked into the United States. See, people think that it's just people getting up from their sofa and saying, you know what, mija? We, we, I don't like the lifestyle that we have here. It, it, we're, we're, we're dying. There's not enough food. There's not enough resources. Let's head up north. And then they get up. They walk up. They walk directly to the border. And then they're allowed in. That's not the reality. There's a process. And that process includes dangerous journey to the United States border. It includes cartel that rape women, rape children, rape bo boys and girls. And then they're sold into slavery across Mexico, Central America, South America, and abroad, and into the U.S. Today, September 3rd, 2021, the thing that angers me the most is that for the last couple of years, all I've heard is children in cages. At no point in time in history has there been more children in cages than today. At no point in history has there been this much human trafficking than today. And why? Because of this administration's policies. People think that it is humane to allow more people into the United States, but it's the process you need to take a look at. And you are fooling yourself if you think that every person is unharmed. And people say like, well, yeah, of course, there's always going to be risk. No, 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 no. This is not a risk people take. It's not a gamble. This is a perfected system, a perfected system of not just the American government, but the Mexican and Central and South American government that are coordinated. Wow. And it doesn't matter if you are a Republican, Democrat, everyone's getting their cut. 100% guaranteed doesn't matter. At that point, when you have a system that is worth trillions, trillions of money, which is the drug and human trafficking to be sold into labor slavery and sex slavery, it doesn't matter what political party you're in. It affects everybody and it affects especially the innocent. And so I was just reading an article yesterday and I posted it on my social media that roughly one in three children that have been brought into the United States, they have no idea where these children are. They don't know where they are. They never reported. They can't, they, they've been trying to call them for months saying, hey, you're, don't forget you have a court hearing at your local immigration court, et cetera, et cetera. They have no idea, a third of these children. And guess what? We now have the most record children coming into the US unaccompanied. 
this administration has endorsed policy, has passed policy that makes it easier for children to come into this country alone. Why? Because the, the policy is as follows. This administration promised that if you are an unaccompanied minor, they promise that you will not be sent back immediately. You will be processed into the United States, sent with family or a foster home of some sort, where now there's been proven reports that these people, that these children are being taken advantage of sexually, physically, mentally. There's children that say that they'd rather go back to their home country because they are suffering in foster care. They're being abused by foster parents, okay? And now you can't find a third of those people. Where is the outrage from the woke rasa like George Lopez? What happened to Alyssa Milano? What happened to Eva Longoria? Mm. Kevin Hart himself put up a, a, a picture on his Instagram that he had to delete a picture of kids in cages. And he thought that it was under the Trump administration. It wasn't. That picture was from 2014 from the Obama-Biden administration. So here's, here's the thing, man. I don't care if you're a communist. I don't care if you are a fascist. I don't care who you are. Wrong is wrong. Good is good. What is happening under this administration is the worst conditions for undocumented people, especially for Latinos and Hispanics, than at any point since the early 1920s when Border Patrol was first erected. This is the, the, the worst wow. disaster to hope in, man. This is the worst disaster to hope in, to, to, to happen. And I go to pages like Brown Issues. I go to pages like Me Too. I go to pages like Voto Latino that, 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 that they literally campaign on kids on cages. Y todos bien calladitos, bro. No one has anything to say. George Lopez is quiet now. There's no more kids in cages. When at no point in history has there been more kids in cages than today because of this administration. And that's what angers me, man. It angers me because I did talk about this during the Trump administration when I approved a lot of his policies. I approved of, of a lot of his policies. And under this administration, our people are suffering the most and there's no outrage by the mainstream media and there's no outrage by the activists. There, there's a couple groups that I've seen here and there and I've interviewed them and I've gone and I've been at the protest, bro, because I believe that what is happening is again, modern day slavery. Because that's what it is. Man, that is a lot to unpack. Uh, I know that you said you had a, you want to wrap it up at 11 o'clock. Uh, it is 1050, you know, but I do have a couple of questions or just a couple of comments that I wanted to make. Yeah, of course. Uh, just a lot, man. I mean, it, it'd be great to have you again on, you know, we can, we can, we can, you know, talk about all these issues, you know, cause all of them could even be an episode, but yeah, I mean, and it's really true how you, how you mentioned that, that the silence, right. Cause that was a whole, the whole campaign was run on, you know, kids in cages, you know, and, and, uh, you know, just not these, uh, or Trump, you know, being against Raza or just, you know, Latinos or whatever. And as soon as, uh, just the rhetoric or just even the language, like you say, you, you spoke about using language that even changed right now. It's, uh, kids, undocumented kids in migrant centers, you know, like mm -hmm. things change with, with, uh, with the, um, administration, when they change, you know, when the administration changed, the language changed. And that also makes you think, right. you know, like, 
and and still to this day, you 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 see people who I would consider, you know, intelligent or intellectuals or whatever, still spew this rhetoric of like, you know, the Democrats are here to save us. And it's like, are you even looking at the history of the Democratic Party? Are you looking at the policies? That's what happens when you become a fanatic of something. And it's very dangerous to vote, vote like that, because you're not even looking at the policies. I mean, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I had a live on, um, on IG talking about Gavin Newsom and, and, you know, just some of the policies or some of the things that that he's done or hasn't done. I went through the whole thing. Right. And, you know, somebody sent me a message saying, you know, we should uh, keep Newsom because he's Democrat. Like that is, that is your logic. That is what you're going to push on me. Like, I'm not stupid. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And this is somebody who I would consider, you know, that I think has done the research and, and, and that's why I have this platform too, because like I said, I think we're on the same page when it comes to, to dispelling these narratives, false narratives that keep us down because we both want the same thing for our people, whether we agree on everything or not, we want them to do better. And, you know, what, what I've noticed, what I've been, you know, noticing recently is because a lot of people obviously want the collective to move forward, but there's people that are not going to move forward regardless of what you give them. So as an individual, you have to do what you got to do. You're doing it for yourself. You're doing it for your family. You're showing us a way you've done it with your situation, right? And people can either take that and be like, man, I want to do what he did. Or be like, no, I don't want to do that. But that's going to be up to them. And I think as a collective, that's how we, we could move is if we start looking at these individual situations. Okay, how did they do it in this quote unquote system that wasn't made for us? Because you're obviously succeeding in the system. You're doing something right. right. And then that's actually, that's, that's actually, uh, people as opposed to all, oh, you know, no, yeah, I was just going to say, and that's actually a really, you know, people, people ask me at the time, I, I've been on Telemundo, I've been on Univision for interviews, and I've had people tell me, you know, especially like Black Lives Matter activists saying that the, the system doesn't work. It's rigged against people of color like ourselves um, and that it's rigged against them that I've been here for generations saying like, oh, you know, my, my, my grandfather, my great, great, great grandfather, my great, great, great grandfather was a slave. It's rigged against us. And I'm like, pero if you pay attention, if the system was really rigged, there's no way for immigrants to ever be able to do better for themselves. And there are people that are first generation Mm -hmm. American, dude, that have it way better than people back in our home countries. And so to me, the immigrant is a perfect example that the American system does work. Is it perfect? Absolutely not. It is not perfect. But again, it's about fine tuning the system, fine tuning the system. It's not about completely abolishing the system. You have to fine tune it. The problem is that the people that care don't run for these positions. And the people that don't care, you you know, the people that care don't run, they don't make their voices heard enough, et cetera. And there's just a lot of people that also just don't care. And you brought up a good point when the friend that you were talking to said like, well, we got to keep Newsom just because he's a Democrat. Let me, let me tell you something, man. And and this is, you know, a message to anyone listening, never allow a political party organization or, or even a system to have that much control over you, over your mind, uh, over your well-being, over, it's almost like a slavery, man. Like you are saying, I have to vote this way or else, or else what, my dude? You know what I mean? Like you, you'd rather, <laughs> you'd rather continue to suffer. You'd rather continue to have policies that are not making your life better. You'd rather, you know, because here, here's the thing: you cannot regulate a wealthy lifestyle. Meaning, 
that if you put together a set of laws, it's guaranteed that equal outcome, right? So equal opportunity does not mean equal outcome. And that's the problem with a lot of people is that they expect equal outcome because, equal outcome. Yeah. hey, if this person got rich, why am I not getting rich? Oh, it must be because I am brown. It must be because I am an immigrant. It must be because I am black. It must be because I am indigenous. No, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Equal opportunity does not mean equal outcome. You have to put it's into not. it. And so, again, we have this system that allows, but it is up to you, the individual. Are you going to be like your immigrant parents that thrive, that came into this country, that didn't even speak the language? And in one lifetime, in one lifetime, we're, we're not even talking about my great, great, great grandmother immigrated in the 1700s, and we just now barely scraped out enough to own a house. In one lifetime, man, in one lifetime. And it's not even like you were brought here from one. You literally came here when you were 23, 24 as an immigrant, not speaking any English. And in less than 20 years, you now own a home. You own your own car. You, you, you're able to vote. You're able to do all the liberties that someone that's been here for five, six generations, seven generations, whatever it may be, the same rights. You have the same rights, man. And, 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 and in, in yeah. some cases, you probably have more opportunities because there's so many, pro, so many good programs out there that afford you the ability mm-hmm. to afford a good education, a low, a, a, maybe like a lower uh, loan with interest. Uh, you know, there's, I know that there's scholarships out there for like undocumented, for people that, you know, immigrant families, yep. people that don't, yep. you know, low income, whatever it is. There are so many, man. So it's almost like if you do not succeed, it is because you chose not to. And it also depends mm-hmm. on what you define as success. Because let me tell you something, man. I don't, I don't have a three-story house. I don't have a fancy Lamborghini. I literally drive a Prius, my dude, which a lot of my, <laughs> my, my fellow Latinos make fun of me, my little huevito. That's what they call my Prius. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but guess what? It saves me. It, it saves me in money and I'm able to apply that money elsewhere, it was, yes. especially with California gas prices. But what I'm saying is this, I don't need to have a three-story house. I don't need to have a Lamborghini. I am very happy. And I'm so honored to God that he has provided that I have my huevito. And that my payments are low and that my insurance is low and that I'm able to afford it. And I'm happy with my one story home, bro. I don't need a luxurious, but here's the, here's the great thing. Again, I don't have to settle for this. If I don't want to, I can get the three story Mm -hmm. house. I can get, it's just going to require me doing more. It's going to require me doing more. And if it's like, si tengo las ganas, guess what, bro? You live in America. You absolutely can. Now, again, I'm not saying it's the same for everyone. I know a lot of other people have different conditions, but look at me. I come from a single parent home from an immigrant mother that didn't speak English. She's been a janitor for 40 years at a hospital, a janitor, bro. Okay. And we thrive, bro. We thrive. And again, like I said, I know everyone's situation is different, but I'm telling you, yes, it's an amazing opportunity to be here. And yes, we can do better. So let's fine tune it. But I don't know about completely abolishing, bro. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. So one, one more thing before I let you go. What are what do you think are some major issues that Latinos face today? Because I mean, obviously the left has their own issues, you know, that they, they think we should address. What do you think, you know, are issues that we face today as a community, as a collective? 
Well, definitely the the whole illegal immigration stuff, man. That is something that affects all of us. People don't understand mm -hmm. that when you when you are able to hire modern day slaves, because again, I stand by that. That is a hill that I would die on. Illegal immigration are modern is modern day slavery. It lowers wages. It's it, it makes and these are all points that Cesar Chavez made. He's like, it's not that I hate our own people. It's just a system that it creates and that it enables. Um, legal immigration is a massive one. Uh, within our own communities, drugs as well, gangs is another one. Mm -hmm. um, education is a severe one. Education, there needs to be better programs out there. And, and this is something that, you know, uh, this was something that people would say, oh, I can't believe you're saying this, but I truly believe that every single person, regardless of where they're coming from, needs to learn English. Why? Because it is the spoken language in America. And if you do not learn English, then you are passing up on a lot of opportunities. Case in point, when I was in, in a military base in Long Beach, California, we had a dishwasher from Mexico. Legal, obviously. Um, and he was in, uh, his name was Hermolindo. And he didn't speak a lick of English. So I talked to him all the time and I told him, hey, not that there's anything wrong with it, but why have you been a dishwasher since like the 80s? Isn't there anything else you'd like to accomplish in life or anything like that? And again, I didn't mean it as a, a like looking yeah. down on you. Yes. I respected this man, man. Like I love this man. I, I'm, I'm still very connected with him and stuff. And I have nothing but admiration for people that work very hard. Um, but he said he he's never really like fought for higher wages. He's never complained. He never takes days off because he feels like he will be fired or let go from this job that pays him enough to be able to live comfortably. He has his little house. He has wow. a little side hustle, you know, but he he doesn't feel comfortable because he doesn't speak the language. And even though his union rep has said, hey, we have you know, Spanish interpreters, if you feel, he just doesn't feel comfortable. Como que le da pena. Like he's, like it's a pride thing. He's like, I don't want to have to sit down and try to negotiate something in my language to someone that I don't feel understands me. Um, not just because of the language barrier, but maybe I come off the wrong way or, or I, you know, it's just, it, it, it's something that they just don't feel comfortable. And I'm sure you've probably been there. I've been there with my mom where she didn't feel comfortable saying something because she felt that because of her uh, dialect or her broken English, that she would be ridiculed or mocked or turned down yes. by people that are fluent in English. And so when I say, I think it's important in education, I think that it's important that we teach every person English. It's not because I'm racist or because I want them to become colonialized. It's just, we have to adapt, man. We have to adapt to this country and and it's english that is majority spoken and i know that there's a lot of places that offer spanish services but again it's yeah. just a personal thing you can't convince someone no. to feel comfortable with the broken english so those are some of the things man that i would say talking to people i've been interviewing a lot of latinos a lot of latinas whether people choose to agree to or not vaccine mandates that's another big one people don't trust the government people don't trust uh, big pharmaceutical companies. They don't trust the vaccine. There's a lot of people in the Spanish community mm. that think that this vaccine is the mark mm. of the beast. 
And I mean, you just can't convince them out of it. You just have to be like, man, yep. that's that's yeah. a general concern that they have. And so th- those are things that matter, man. And, and they're going to yeah. matter come this election season. we got a special recall September 14th. Uh, maybe people are aware, maybe people are not aware. But the only way you make a difference is if you make your voice heard. And that's at the political level. And if you are the kind of person that thinks that you you, you have to live in fear and only vote one way, then you are completely misinformed. And, and I, I hope that people wake up from that trance that you have to vote for a specific party. Look at the person, look at their policies. Do these values and morals align with mine? Yes, okay, great. Mm-hmm. No, okay, then it's not gonna help me, then never mind. I'm not gonna vote for this person. Yeah, man. I mean, like I said, I wish we can go on and, and talk about all of these other things, you know, in, in more detail. But like I said, you have, I don't want to respect your time. I know you got other things Thank to you, do. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I agree with pretty much everything you said, man. And I think if I were to sum it up and in uh, one word would be that we're too comfortable in our situations as a collective and that hinders our success. You know, that doesn't allow us to thrive in the system again, that quote unquote was made for us. So and if you just apply that to life and anything, I mean, you know, I know you're a Christian, you know, and you believe in and what you believe. But, if you, you know, even if you use uh, the theory of evolution and, and adaptation, even even the organisms had to adapt to its environment, not the other way around. So, right. you know, you can apply that to life in any way. And and uh, that's another reason why, too, I, I feel like that's the best way to go, you know, and because things are going to change all the time. Things are not going to be always made for you. You know, and you have to be able to to adapt to be successful and, and or, or to attain what you want to get. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, man. So on that note, uh, you know, like I said, I wanted to thank you for coming on. I know it's course, it's uh, you, you know, you got you got great things going on. You know, uh, where can people find you? Where, where can they, you know, listen to you and, and just speak on uh, this knowledge that you have, man? Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, thank you again, man, for having me on. And thank you for everyone that stayed tuned in and that is willing to listen, you know, to my conservative values and, and talking points. Um, but if you want to find me on social media, I go by Inform with Anthony. So if you just type in Inform with Anthony on any social media, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, even YouTube, uh, where I also put up like interviews with people and stuff, um, we you, you can find me there. So um, the largest platform that I have is on Instagram. So if you want to follow me there, at informwithanthony.news, uh, you'll find me, um, you'll find me there, so. Thank you, thank you. Uh, and I myself, again, if you want to find me uh, on rasa.stand.podcast, uh, at my own personal uh, uh, IG, it's flowdcm. Uh, but on that note, like I said, uh, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, we're actually gonna have another guest uh, later on today. I'm doing a double header today, you know, because okay, nice. uh, I'm off today, so I'm taking advantage of the time. Uh, so at 7 p.m., if anybody wants to tune in at 7 p.m. Pacific time, we're going to have another other guest coming on. Uh, but this will be available, obviously, you know, through through uh, through YouTube if you're watching it. Uh, and I will be uh, you'll, you'll see short clips of it on IG, too. So I'll, I'll tag you on or I'll just send them to you so you can share them, you know, with uh, with your people and stuff like that so they can see you on here. I mean, uh, but on that note, this is Flo. Thank you, Anthony, for coming on. And Rasa Stan, take a stand.